Hi, and welcome to Straight Shot Radio. My name is Johnny Slick, and I'm the founder and head coach at Straight Shot Training, a remote personal training company with an emphasis on helping people of all fitness levels feel better, move better, and live better with progressive functional strength and conditioning workouts. So what's it like to return to exercising after having COVID? Kevin Barry works as a strength and conditioning coach at a college in Pennsylvania and found out firsthand what it's like after contracting COVID in late 2020. Now, I've had Kevin on the show before to share his experience as a coach who grew up playing soccer and training for sports in Ireland, but as soon as he posted online about having COVID and being very transparent and honest about his symptoms and then his recovery, I invited him back on the show to have him share his experience. Kevin was extremely good with documentation and using both biometric and performance markers as indicators in his progress as he began slowly building his fitness back up. He brings all of his findings plus lots of detailed tips on how you can get back into training after COVID or after taking extended time off from training for any reason. But before we get into Kevin's experience, I want to share with you a testimonial from one of our straight shot athletes, Ashley. Ashley writes, Before starting with Straight Shot, I was in a workout rut. I thought it was enough to go to the gym and run on a treadmill or the stair climber and play around with the weights. I followed random Pinterest workouts and followed some people on Instagram, and it got me nowhere. At the time, I was a mom of three, struggled with weight, and finding the motivation to get to the gym at all. I started going to a kettlebell class and found that I really enjoyed and appreciated the instruction of the coach, Johnny. I was finally seeing results, then I found out I was pregnant with my fourth child. I was so worried I would lose all of my progress. Thankfully, Johnny was able to work with me and modify the workouts during my pregnancy. I was able to maintain a healthy and fit pregnancy. After delivery, I came back rather quickly, and again, he was able to modify the workouts to fit what I was able to do. As my girls have gotten older, my ability to get to the gym in the middle of the day has gotten more challenging, so I started Straight Shot to continue my workouts at a time that works with my schedule. I love that I am more active than I've ever been in my life, and I'm able to show my daughters the importance of a healthy lifestyle. Thanks so much for writing that, Ashley. You know, I did a post about this the other day, and I think it's worth repeating. The training that we provide here at Straight Shot is so much more than just helping people lose weight or get stronger or perform their sport better. We want to help you enjoy your life and set a good example for the people around you. We want you to be able to perform everyday activities with ease. We want you to not be in pain and be able to enjoy your hobbies. We're focused on helping you improve your quality of life through strength and conditioning and would love to have you start training with us. So if you're ready to get going, I want you to head over to straightshottraining.com and click request a coach to get started today. All right, Coach Kevin Barry has a lot to share with you all here, so let's get into our chat. Welcome back to the show, Kevin. Uh, Kevin, you and I worked together at the Y probably three, four years ago, I guess. Yeah, uh, 2016. I think 2016, it was. okay. And yeah. you were on episode 37 that was Irish Sport and Fitness, uh, where we got a little bit of a background of uh, where you grew up in Ireland. Um, obviously, your time playing soccer, your fitness, you becoming a coach, you becoming a strength and conditioning coach. And uh, then we work together as personal trainers at the YMCA of Frederick County. Uh, where do you currently work now, though? 
Um, since the last time we spoke and I moved to Kutztown, so I work for Division Two University, Kutztown University. I work as a strength and conditioning coordinator there with, um, I think we have 16 or 17 different sports. Okay. And how long have you been working there? I've been there since the summer of uh, 2017. So coming on um, three years, okay, so two and a half you. years. Mm-hmm. So, and you work with all of the, the sports teams there? Yeah, I work with all our sports teams. So that's anything from, you know, football, huh. basketball, uh, men's and women's down through, um, we work with cheerleading now. And uh, we also work with um, some other sports you might not think of like bowling and golf as well. So a little bit of everything. That's, that's pretty awesome. Absolutely. What kind yeah. of, not to get off on a tangent here, but what kind of strength and conditioning program do you have for bowlers? Uh, for bowling, there's a lot of overuse injuries. So um, they'll typically have um, patellar tendonitis and um, they'll have some issues with um, elbows and shoulders as well. So oh. a lot of the stuff we're trying to do is almost like pre- preventative work that you will see, yeah. in, you know, everybody's warm up as such. So it's just an extension of that. And it's a completely unilateral sport too. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you're always lunging with the same leg, always throwing with the same arm. Yeah. And the the volume of training they do is crazy too. You know, they're out at two, three hours of practice because we we don't have a facility on campus. So when they do go there, they try and make the most of their time. Wow, man. That's crazy. So you really have to wear a lot of hats then as a strength and conditioning coach to be able to, to, to coach that wide of a range of athletes. Yeah, and that was kind of one of the reasons for why I did move on from my last job because I was working with just um, two sports primarily and then a system with two or three others. So um, I kind of looked at how much impact can I have across uh, an entire athletic department. And for me, it, it kind of makes sense to try and branch out and work with more teams and more athletes. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so I mean, this is the the topic that we're gonna be talking about today. So I kind of want to jump right into it, but obviously we can pull other stuff in about your your coaching experience up there. But uh, you had COVID, you recovered from it, and you returned to your workouts. And I think that between this wide experience that you've had as a strength and conditioning coach, you've worked with a lot of different people, and then you, you I'm sure you know athletes who had COVID. You had COVID yourself. You probably have a lot of stuff that you can share with our listeners who may have had COVID or they currently have COVID or may get it in the future. So um, thank you in advance for sharing your experience. Uh, We were talking a little bit before this episode about how there seems to be this stigma around COVID where people aren't talking about it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So for me, um, obviously we kind of first found out about it around March and March was when um, we stopped uh, working with all teams in person. So we ended up going um, online for the semester. So from March through um, October, I didn't get to work in person with any athletes, but I was starting to get some emails about a coach. I got COVID. What should I do? Or, you know, um, how do I get back into training and stuff? So uh, what was helpful a couple of years back, NSCA and CSCCA, who are um, two certification bodies um, for collegiate strength conditioning. um, They came out on a document about return to play and socialization. So, um, I've been using those guidelines kind of as a basis, but uh, for when, my own, when did those co- when did those come out? They they've been out for almost two years now, and they they haven't gotten much um, publicity, to be honest. Um, yeah, they actually came out on the back of um, the kid from Maryland, a football player, died um, a couple of years back from doing just too much conditioning, and there was some malpractice as well involved at Maryland in football. Oh, yes. I remember that. On the back of that, there was um, a lot of research and documentation done and kind of put out a position statement. 
you know, so this is return, return to any return to exercise or training from any type of prolonged time off from any activity. Yeah. And they define that okay. as um, any period more than two weeks. Okay. So, so this could be yeah, so used for just about anything then. Absolutely. Uh, if you yeah. pick up some injuries or overuse and, and you're getting back into it. Um, I, I do think down the road, we will see specific protocols for uh, return to play from COVID and flus and things like that, because and they can be a little bit different, but I think most of the principles remain the same. Okay. Um, but for for me personally, I um, I I was felt like I was almost playing a waiting game to get COVID because I'm around so many <laughs> different people. You know, we're around I'm around <laughs> 300, 400 people a week. Um. So, uh, for our university, um, on campus, we mandated a mask policy, and in the weight room, we had one too. Um, we had social distancing. We had. Um, everything that was done right, you know, wiping down stuff, ventilation. Um, okay. But we did have some cases at the very start of semester in September, October, not so many in November. Um, but for myself, I picked it up in uh, mid-November, just a little bit before um, Thanksgiving. Uh, the okay. first couple of days, um, I just had a headache. And it was around the time where I was um, actually supposed to get a new appointment for um for glasses or contacts. So I had kind of thought oh, I'm getting headaches just because I, I, you know, I need a new prescription and whatnot. So that went on for two or three days. And then after that, I started getting a little bit of throat pain, but nothing too serious. And then after that, I started getting body aches. So um, the body aches were the worst symptom for me. I never had a fever or anything. Um, okay. So every morning, I loss of taste. No, I didn't have a loss of, of smell, loss of taste. Okay. So what, a, so you'd no. wake up with just body aches. Yeah. Um, it kind of felt like I am sure listeners would be familiar. It felt like, um, you're after running a marathon or, you know, squatting a one rep max every day. Um, <laughs> it was just that kind of feeling, you know, you, I, I could almost feel like your vertebrae, like every single one, just, just kind of aching. Um, wow. so that was the symptoms for me. And by the time I did get a test, um, I, I was starting to turn a curve a little bit. Um, as far as the symptoms were going, but initially it was headaches to begin and uh, body aches to finish up, you know. With, so it um, kind of came on over over the course of how long between headaches that you started with and then the sore throat and then the body aches. What was the span of that? Yeah, the headaches were um, two to three days and, you know, I didn't really pick it up as a symptom of COVID at the time, you know, like I yeah. said previously. Um, and then body aches were about... Um, three to four days after that. So after about six days, I was feeling better. And I, um, I ended up getting a COVID test on, um, like the fifth day. So by the time I got my results back, I was starting to, you know, turn a curve for the better. better. Okay. Mm -hmm. So all in all from the first headache to your last symptom, how long did that last? Uh, for me, it was about seven or eight days at the time. Okay. Before I felt kind of, uh, before I didn't have any more symptoms, but I, I, I did notice there were some lagging things I had, like, um, you know, I was feeling okay, but a resting heart where it was still elevated and even just to walk around, uh, where we live, that exercise heart rate for walking was like 30 beats higher than normal. So wow, um, some of those things did take much longer. Um, uh, but the classic signs and symptoms, you know, that you'll see from CDC and online, um, those were about seven or eight days. Got it. Okay. 
So then how long after those, those last symptoms of your, of your body aches, how long after that did you take before you actually started beginning your working out again? Uh, so it was midweek by the time I uh, had no symptoms. So I gave it two or three days um, after that. And then I kind of set up um, a couple of different programs on paper. Um, I knew I would have to change them depending on the results. But one of the first workouts I tried to do was um, some intervals and, and not, you know, at 100% intensity or anything. Um, I got my best mile time, put it in half or, you know, doubled it. And I tried yeah. to do, I think, eight two-minute intervals or 10 two-minute intervals. Um, I did six or five, and I uh, just call it a day. Um, <laughs> so you, try, you tried to run three days after? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and this, was, this was only at, you know, 50% intensity. Oh, um, gotcha. And, uh, okay. So I, what I did was say I got my best mile time, say seven minutes and, or, you know, six something. I doubled that time and just tried to do that for two minutes. So... The oh, actual, so you were, you were trying to run at a like 13 minute mile pace for two yeah, minutes. Yeah, just like and a fast walk. That, and that yeah. was tough, yeah. So. Wow. Yeah, because I mean, cardiovascularly and, and strength-wise, you've been training for a long, long time uh, in, and you have a, a good balance of, of both strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so coming back to it, did you feel like that the biggest hit was your cardio? Or do you feel like you took your strength took a hit too? Did you feel weaker? Um, strength wise felt okay. Actually. Um, I felt it was more cardiovascular and, um, I think like some of the research will back that up too, with, um, residual training effects is, um, the term, there was some research on it where you kind of talk about how long you can hold different capacities in your body. And, um, yeah, some of the first ones to drop off is on the the cardiovascular side. Um, so, so strength wise, you know, I wasn't pushing for, for new PRs or anything, but you know, that day-to-day feel um, felt normal as far as okay. lifting goes. Um, I, I did um, uh, get my heart rate as well for all the lifts, you know, going forward after that, just to make sure um, that, that they were normal as such. Um, yeah. So I, I, I was trying to track things a little bit uh, closer on the lifting side. Okay. And you that's kind of always been one of the your things is you've always been really big on tracking things and and the numbers and and programming uh so was that something that you feel like helped you make systematic progress with this was by documenting everything from those first workouts through absolutely yeah it's it's um it's a little hit or miss to be honest it can be frustrating at times because um when you do track stuff like as good as it is, you, you know where you're at, um, which is, you know, like it can be difficult mentally because yeah. you're comparing back to where you were before, you know, versus, uh, you know, I feel like I'm making progress, but when you have it on pen and paper, you have it in Garmin and it's like, you know, this workout was awful and uh, <laughs> it, it can be demotivating, you know? So um, that that's one of the big things was trying to play the long game. And uh, okay. realizing from my cardiovascular side, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be 100% um, today, tomorrow, next week. Um, but the, the goal is to gradually progress from there. So you did you think you placed more of a focus then on building your cardio back up when it came to your program that you wrote for yourself? Yeah, as far as the programming goes, definitely. Um, okay. Uh, what also helped was um, yeah, soon after um, we ended up um, – not having access to a gym anyway. So uh, it was a case of, of just going around the neighborhood and 
trying to get some extra runs in, you know, if you don't have equipment or um, I also did some body weight circuits. And the other thing which I picked up on for a couple of sessions was um, uh, just jump ropes, just uh, skipping as well. Okay. Um, that, that was something I picked up way back in March when gyms were first closed. <laughs> and um, yeah, even like 10 minutes of that was, was a challenge to begin with. So. Wow. And then what about your recovery in between workouts? So both from a cardio and a strength standpoint, the day after exercising, were you, were you working out every other day or were you trying to do every day? How, what was your recovery versus training looking like? Um, for, for me, as far as, as far as like um, cardiovascular training or um, running, what I was trying to do was um, I took some notes here to try and think back, but I tried to get a combination of um, like long, slow distance or steady state training and a combination of intervals. Um, but as far as recovery went, I, I felt okay day to day. You know, I had no issues there. Okay. Um, it, it was just, you know, in that moment. Um, one of the big things I was looking at as far as interval training goes, I, I was trying to set intervals where I should see a drop in heart rate. And I was kind of using that as an indicator to see um, how kind of conditioned or how fit that I was because the first couple of sessions was just um, – just a, a straight line from low heart rate up through max heart rate. And um, there, it, like my body just wasn't recovering, you know, from rep to rep or set to set. Wow. Um, but as the weeks have gone on, I've noticed that, you know, if you take a minute or two minutes recovery, that your heart rate, it really should go down. And uh, that's what's been happening now. So it's been trending, you know, I'm getting those peaks and valleys for interval training, which you're supposed to. So, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have that combination of the steady state, lower, uh, heart rates, maybe longer distance, longer duration to kind of help you rebuild that aerobic base. But I think it's important to have those intervals where you do get your heart rate up because getting it up. And like you said, when you rest, it should come down, but that's one of the things that's happening with people post COVID is they're both their resting heart rate and their recovery heart rates during intervals are just up so high. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important when people get back into it, that they take a similar approach to you. Um, and like you said, intervals do not have to be uh, high intensity intervals in the beginning. You, so you were basically doing moderate intensity efforts with very low intensity recoveries. Yeah. So um, I, I was only working at, you know, for the endurance-based runs, I was only working at 50, 60% initially. Okay. Um, but even for the intervals, you know, like you said, a lot of people think, oh, it's an interval. It's 100% intensity and and it's yeah. a break from there. But those type of intervals were, they were only 70, 80% for me. Um, okay. They were enough to get out of kind of an aerobic zone. Um, but then trying to get uh, rested from there was a thing, you know, um, Typically, I'll see a 40, 50 beat drop in, you know, a minute 30 or two minutes. And initially it was, you know, 10 or 20. I'm like, this this wow. doesn't make sense, you know. Yeah, it's a long know. time to recovery between um, those bouts. But I, I think that is kind of based off of your rest and heart rate as well. So if your rest and heart rate's up, everything's going to change. And yeah. I've been tracking that. Um, rest and heart rate is usually in the uh, high 40s or low 50s and uh, first couple of days with COVID and even a little bit after it was like 76, it was resting heart rate one day. So, 
Wow. So, um, so your heart, your heart was working at, you know, 150% of his normal capacity then. Yeah. Um, like a walk for me is usually around 95 or 98, somewhere around there. Um, I was hitting 125, 135 just for a walk. So Jeez, that's wild. Yeah. So yeah. when it comes, comes to those intervals, were you basing your rest portions of the intervals on a time or a heart rate goal that you would try to recover to? Um, I, I was setting them on a time or a ratio. Um, so okay. the couple of recommendations from uh, the NSCA National Strength Condition Association and then CSCCA, um, like in week week one, they recommend one to four ratio. So if you're working for one minute, you should rest for four. Um, okay. I, didn't, I didn't quite go that high. Um, they recommend one to three in weeks two, two to four. Um, I, I was working a one to one or a one to two. So a lot of times um, when I would go out, I would do um, a minute run and either two minute walk or um, a, a minute 30 run and three minute walk um so okay. i was using those recoveries for intervals as a walk and not you know as a jog where you know some people will yeah uh, but I, I would never go um less than a one-to-one ratio so if i was okay. at a minute run you know i was taking at least a minute 30 off i was never dropping below that minute okay and then as the weeks went on were you increasing the duration of your higher intensity efforts or were you just decreasing the rest periods in between your intervals? I, I tried to keep the uh, rest period the same. Um, so I could measure back and, and see, um, basically the, the big picture was, did I cover more distance in the same amount of time? Um, Got it. so I was trying to increase the intensity of, of that work set as such of the, you know, when you're working for a minute 30 on, um, you know, initially I was running, I think 11 or 12 minute miles, even in those, pace even in those intervals and then i was running nine ten and eight nine so uh, progressively it. trying to increase the intensity of, of that work period yeah okay yeah because you, there's so many things that you're that you're trying to hit and it sounds like you, you did with your training where you're trying to improve your recoveries in between your bouts but you're also trying to build back up that capacity to get your heart rate up but not to the point of where you can't get it back down so i think you know the way that you're talking about systematically decreasing those rest periods until you get to that one to one or one to 1.5 ratio and mm-hmm. then increasing the intensity of the, the bouts is a good way to go about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like there are a lot of options out there. Um, I think the big thing is just not to bounce back and forth between, you know, four or six different methods uh, because you're not going to make much progress. You're, you're not going to be able to kind of get it before and after, you know, you can't that's, evaluate that's or smart, assess. Yeah. So. Okay, so keep keeping good records, but not changing stuff up so much that you can't tell if you're actually progressing or not. Exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah. so then, did you do the same thing with your strength training as well? Did you run like linear uh, progression on something? You know, you add five pounds to the bar each week, or same lifts? What did it look like for you? Yeah, I I didn't have access initially to a gym um, for the first okay. couple of weeks, so I, I've actually just been able to get back in in the past two or three weeks. Um, for me, it's, it's a little bit hit or miss right now. Um, we're in Pennsylvania, so it snows a little bit. Um, <laughs> so when it's snowing or, you know, when the weather is not great outside, I'll, I'll try and get a bit more strength work in, um, okay. when the weather is good outside, uh, we'll try and get some intervals or, or do a little bit more as far as the conditioning side. Um, yeah. but for me right now, I'm still prioritizing that, um, cardiovascular training. Okay. 
And this is this is something I I did a podcast episode a long time ago on how long you could completely rest from training and not lose, you know, muscular strength or, you know, muscle size. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is, we're really seeing it. We saw it a lot last year that in order to maintain your level of muscle mass or a decent level of strength, you actually need a lot less training than you think you do. And I think that's something that people have been able to see that, you know, you, you can maintain a decent amount of strength and muscle mass with limited amounts of limited workouts, limited equipment, Mm -hmm. limited everything. So you've been doing, do you have equipment that you work out with or do you mostly body weight stuff? Uh, right now I am I'm able to get access to, uh, my own weight room at the university. Oh, okay. So, so the weight room is open there now. Um, the weight room is open to employees. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, so we actually, um, uh, a couple of administrative things, um, it is, you know, still winter break at the moment, uh, but it's looking like it'll be another month before our kids will be back to campus and be able to train in person again. Okay. So when it comes to people listening to this who are trying to figure out how to come up with a, a plan to get back into it if they had COVID or, or if they've just been out of training for a while, what do you think the most important thing to focus on when returning to training is? Um, I think if you're, well, uh, kind of let's break it down say if, you're just getting back from an illness or COVID or an injury, but you do have some performance indicators, um, whether it's your one rep max for a squat or a bench or whether it's, you know, your 5k time. Um, the biggest thing is to not set out a hundred percent. Um, there are, there are some tables and rules out there. Um, 50, 70, 80, 90 over four weeks intensity. So week one is 50% week two, you're going to work at 70 week three, 80 and week four, 90. So you're not going to get back to a hundred percent until at least week five. So go into it with that mindset that, you know, you don't want to PR or you don't (laughs) want to have that, you know, sense of, of um, a lack of motivation. You know, if you're going to test yourself and um, you know, you're not going to get it. So don't do it, you know? Okay. Um, But if it is somebody that, um, it, you know, doesn't have much training background, but, you know, wants to get back into it. Um, I think the biggest thing is to, you know, um, work on alternative days. So there's no need to train five or six days a week. And we're kind of seeing that a little bit now with uh, New Year's resolutions. You know, I'm going to add four days of cardio and three days of lifting and, you know, two days of this yoga or something. But uh, my advice would be to do it on non-consecutive days. Um, okay. Really, you're performance increases um, based on your rest. So if you're not resting and recovering, your body is not going to be in a better place um, long-term. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you, your, your, your program is only as good as the program that you can recover from. Absolutely. So if, you're, if, you're doing, if, you're, if you're doing too much, you're just, you're, you're spinning your wheels. And I think that's mm-hmm. really important for returning post COVID because, you know, there is this, the, there's always, it's always frustrating getting sick and having to, you know, take time off and then coming back. But the the worst thing you can do is come back too fast and end up setting yourself back even farther. Yeah. And that, that's been a, a huge kind of um, debate or dilemma across uh, collegiate athletics in general is that, oh, we have less time to work with the kids now. We need to push them harder. You know, you'll see that <laughs> from sport coaches and um, you can't make up on lost time at the end of the day, you know? Um, yeah. So if, if you do twice as much, you're going to get injured. You're going to get burnt out um, in that period. So um, look to have, I, w- I would say, 
you know, a four or six week plan uh, of where you want to be and not necessarily, you know, we need to be ready by next week from a, from a performance aspect. Yeah. And honestly, when you think about your entire year of training, if you have to take two weeks off for being sick and it takes you another six to build back up to where you were before, eight weeks out of the course of a year is really not that big of a chunk of time. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is, um, I'm, I'm not sure if you follow NFL, but um, I, I've kind of noticed a trend where there's some teams that, you know, they have big COVID list or injury reserve. And then the following week they go out and they play great. Like um, the Ravens might be a good <laughs> yeah, example the Ravens. of that. Yeah. Um, where, you know, the, the players get an extra week of, yeah, they have COVID, you know, you don't know um, what, if any symptoms they have or, you know, how they're dealing with it personally. Um, but, but if you're thinking that, you know, it's a week where you're a football player and you don't have to get hit every day at practice, um, sometimes yeah. that can help with recovery. So, uh, I've seen news reports where, you know, some of those players feel like they're more recovered and, you know, they're in a better position for having, you know, a bye week and, um, cause the reality is you, you know, most people aren't just going to take a week off, you know? So yeah, sometimes as bad <laughs> as it sounds like if there is like, a small, see a small overuse injury in your wrist or your elbow, and you take some time off of um, uh, weightlifting, you might come back a little bit better, actually. So, oh, absolutely. Um, some of those forced um, kind of periods of of um, downtime can actually aid in recovery. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's not going to happen for everybody, but it's interesting to see in in professional sport that does seem to be the case for some people. It actually it actually ends up helping them. So anything else that you think that, that you could share when it comes to you coming back from, from COVID uh, that might help people out? Like, did you do anything different with your hydration, with your diet, anything like that along the way coming when you were building yourself back up? Um, no, I just tried to keep uh, daily habits. I think the one thing is to um, be transparent. You know, if you're in a group environment and if you're in a running club or, you know, if, if you have a training partner, um, yeah, there is like we said the kind of a stigma of you know i don't want to tell anyone i got covid but um if you're a collegiate athlete especially you need to be telling um coaches and staff uh, because your program does need to be modified um so if if you um do have covid my advice would be um if you're in a sports setting working with a personal trainer or, or any anybody really um let them know uh, what kind of symptoms you have and and look to build a plan from there, you know, don't, don't just be ignorant to the facts. Yeah. Yeah. I think more people need, need to be talking about it so that, um, you know, we can be, we can be more transparent about it and help each other out. Absolutely. Um, I, it makes the most sense for, you know, long-term programming and, uh, getting yeah. closer to their goals. So, yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about this today, Kevin. I really appreciate it. Uh, now you have your own podcast, Called the, the right. training the training ground podcast, and that's on all platforms, right? That's correct. Yep, uh, okay. training ground podcast on, on Spotify, um, iTunes, and uh, can listen directly on Podbean as well. So okay, and kind of a quick synopsis of what people can expect to hear on your show. Yeah, um, I think there's there's a lot of strength and conditioning podcasts out there. There's a lot of um, soccer podcasts, but there's not a lot that kind of bridge that gap between strength and conditioning and soccer. So. Okay. Really, I set the podcast up to be a behind-the-scenes 
um, advice from nutritionists, um, strength conditioning coaches, physical therapists, um, for soccer players. So um, okay. a lot of podcasts are kind of vague takeaways. Uh, we're looking yeah. to build practical takeaways from every episode for uh, youth soccer players. Okay. And you've had some awesome guests on too that I've listened to. Yeah, I appreciate that. We're yeah. trying to um, diversify and, um, you know, keep it broad so there's a new perspective and it's not just from, you know, the soccer coach every week. So Okay. And then you said people can find that on all uh, podcast platforms, but you have a website as well people can find your stuff on? Yeah, I, I try and keep the show notes there. And um, I have about 100, 120 articles on soccer performance and strength conditioning. Uh, it's okay. kjbtraining.com. Um, so if anyone's looking for, um, advice, particularly on fitness tests, I just tracked, um, so did some analytics and seven of the top 10 posts have been about soccer fitness tests. So okay. if you're, uh, <laughs> if you are trying to improve your, your soccer fitness, I got you covered. Awesome. And then your social media handle is a strength coach, Kev. Yeah. I created an Instagram account. Um, and that's strength coach Kev. That's right. And no uh, dashes or anything, just strength no, coach. No, just Kev. strength coach Kev all the way through. Wow, that's yeah. pretty solid that you got that. Yeah, I won't lie. Um, <laughs> a previous uh, podcast guest I had on uh, the training ground, Will Geositz, who is a former um, colleague of mine, he um, had strength coach Will. And I was like, I really like that. I'm going to try Kev. And uh, sure enough, and it, it came and up. And it was there. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty, you looked out, man. It's yeah. good. <laughs> so I appreciate cool. Will for All that. All right. So, yep. So at, at strength coach Kev is the handle, uh, kjbtraining.com is the website. And then the training ground podcast is your podcast on all platforms. There it is. Yep. Awesome. That's perfect. Cool. Thanks so much for coming on, Kevin. Awesome. Thanks, Johnny. I appreciate you. Thanks. Bye -bye. <laughs>